I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, I hope you're just having a fantastic week. I have to admit to you, mine has not been stellar. It's not been uh, because my because my labs came back from the doctor and uh, and apparently I uh, I have to be on medicine now. Probably for the first time in my life that I've got to be like on a, on a regimen. And so you know I'm approaching I'm approaching that age now where it's going to become a reality and maybe has already come upon us. I went to the eye doctor a couple of weeks ago and and they mentioned that word. You know the one, bifocals. Uh, luckily, luckily I'm. I could if I wanted to. I could get them, but I'm not required to yet. And so I, I still have a little bit of time, but it's been just a strenuous week uh, as just in general. And then, uh, of course, we've had the news being what it is, and uh, the, the presidential inauguration happened last week. And it's been interesting. It's been a very, very interesting news cycle. Uh, and all of these things have kind of come together in my own life as I've been dealing with the stress of the week, right? From, uh, from last week, we had a, an emergency with our youngest child. And then this week, the doctor tells me I have to eat different and I have to take pills. And then the eye doctor told me that I have, it's just, you know. And, and then on top of all of that, uh, we have politics. Now, here's the deal about politics. It doesn't really matter whether your traditional, typical party is uh, the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, is that as a Catholic, there's going to be problems. There's going to be some things that you can look at the president and say, I'm so glad that you did that. And then there's going to be other things that as a Catholic, you look at them and go, seriously? Are you, are you serious right now? And, and I have to tell you, uh, a couple of things have happened that even with uh, President Trump that I've looked at and I've said, you know what? Good on you. I, I didn't vote for you. I didn't like you. I voted for a third party because I have some problems with the the morality issues that he has uh, lived with uh, and doesn't seem to have a problem with. Uh, but but he did some things that I, I approve of. He did some things that I'm, I'm glad that were done. Uh, and then he's done a whole bunch of stuff that as a Catholic, as I'm listening to my bishops, as I am uh, being docile uh, to what my bishops say, paragraph 87, it's my favorite one, we've talked about it several times, that the faithful receive with docility the things that their pastors teach them in various forms. Uh, And so that's paragraph 87 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, I didn't become uh, a Catholic so that I could still uh, be rebellious uh, to the spiritual direction of my bishops. And so as I'm looking at the things that have happened here with uh, the wall, uh, with his uh, scapegoating of, of specific people groups uh, and the like, I am I'm frustrated. I am. I'm very frustrated. And, and there's this sense of I don't know what to do uh, because, you know, I grew up uh, very Republican, very conservative. And there was a process. You wrote to your senators, you wrote to, and and you made a difference over time. And it, I'm, I'm not seeing the checks and balances right now. Uh, I'm sure that I'm, I'm hoping that they're still there. And, and yet I don't see how I am supposed to relate uh, and resist those things that other than just, you know, griping to you, which you're probably going to get tired of, uh, other than griping on Facebook, which never does any good, uh, I don't know how to resist and to be uh, 
appropriately standing up for the truth in those times that the president doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that he never does. I just said right there at the beginning, he's done some things that I really uh, am grateful for. Uh, and yet I'm skeptical. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to if those things are to pander to the base or whether those things are true and genuine. Behavior. Well, you know, but honestly, it really doesn't matter whether he means it or not because he's done some things that were good in terms of uh, reinstating the Mexico City policy and, and the like. Uh, and yet... Uh, what this has done for me this week where I've been looking at all of these horrendous things of, of bifocals and pills and changing my diet and cutting carbs out. And I tell you, that's not happy for me because I like pasta. Uh, but I, I'm having to do those things. And then I'm also having to deal with some political things that really, really frustrate me and or make me worried. And, uh, what it brings me back to is this, and I've said it on the show before is that, um, we are, are, and our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, I think 633, but don't hold me to that. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you, right? So we can get all worked up about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, who's going to lead us, etc., and so forth. Uh, but we remember that Jesus was not born into a time in history where democracy was a thing right? He was born into occupation, Roman occupation. Uh, I think that he understood what it was like to be oppressed by a government. And we're not there yet, uh, even though there are, there are some people who are worried about that. Uh, so what we need to look at is say, you know what? Seek first the kingdom of God. What can I do today? What can I do this week that will advance God's kingdom rather than getting sucked into the echo chambers and, uh, and anger factories of the internet and of political parties. And there's been this song that, uh, it's an old spiritual that has been a, um, kind of a meditation for me this week. And it's that, that old hymn, uh, poor wayfaring stranger. And it's, it's this idea that we are aliens and strangers. We are refugees right now because we're we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, right? That's who we are as baptized Christians. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we are just traveling through here. Uh, yes, we have a vested interest in, in how uh, government goes, and insofar as we're given a voice, we should use it, and yet we shouldn't be consumed by it because this world is not our home, right? We're just we're just travelers here. We are aliens and strangers, as the scripture puts it. So we're doing things a little bit differently today. Um, I want to share with you the, the song that I've been using to meditate with. Uh, it's uh, it's a, just a really rough recording that I put together earlier today. Uh, most of you um, have listened for long enough. You know that before I became Catholic, I was a worship pastor in several Protestant churches. And so I know my way around an instrument, uh, and I do know my way a little bit around a recording studio. So I, I just kind of sat down uh, free free th form, right? I didn't do a whole lot with it, uh, but just played through it and sang it as a meditation to myself. And I'm going to share that with you now. And for those of you who are friends of the show, uh, you can go over to our special section over on Facebook, and you can download this if you so desire. Uh, if you want to be a friend of the show, go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on the friend of the show, follow the instructions, $10 a month. You get all the giveaways and all the extra content, including this meditation 
uh, reminding us where our true home is. Uh, this is Poor Wayfaring Stranger. talk about this week why don't we go and have a conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handles at outside the walls when we come back we're going to be talking with my friend christina Kleehammer about her journey into the catholic church don't go anywhere we'll be right back Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, 
So glad that you're here with us today. Boy, have we got a show for you. This is, this is one of those shows that you just never expect to have. Uh, I was reading through the, the interwebs uh, not too terribly long ago, and I come across this piece uh, in the For Her website, I think, which is associated with Alatia. And, uh, and I see this name, this name across the top. The author of this specific piece was Christina Kleehammer. And I think to myself, no, there can't be more than one of those, right? And while the name may mean nothing to you yet, don't worry, it will. Uh, but to me, it, it harkened back to a time before I was Catholic, uh, the, the place in which I met my wife, uh, this small group, well, I say small, it was about 126 people in a living room every Tuesday night, uh, of uh, people coming together uh, in a college and career age group of young people uh, coming to, to worship and learn more about God as, as best as they could. Uh, and so the Clees, uh, the Clee Hammers, were uh, uh, the couple that preceded us in marriage <laughs> from that group. And so I'm just really excited to have on our show today, Christina Kleehammer. Thanks for being here, Christina. Well, thanks for having me. It's very fun to be here. And I was just as excited to find out that you had become Catholic too. Well, you know, you, you look at these kinds of situations of where you came from, right? The, you know that your journey took you through these places, but you're thinking, surely, surely there's no one else who could possibly have come from that place that I was in and found their way into the Catholic Church. And, and lo and behold, uh, apparently journeys coincide through these places, right? Well, I think it's wonderful. And actually... I'm kind of the opposite. I don't know how everybody else hasn't made it over here yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, where is everybody? Right. This is the right way to go, guys. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit today uh, about your conversion story, because I'm very interested in hearing it. I also want to just draw attention to your blog for po people who are not aware of it yet. In addition to the, the stuff that you've done for Alatia, you also have your own blog uh, with this really... Um, uh, cool little double meaning name, right? How, how will people find your writing? How, how do they find my writing? Yeah, where, where would they go online to find it? Oh, well, it's finding Christina story.com or finding Christ in a story, little play on words there. Uh -huh. But yeah, that's where I tend to share thoughts and, um, different aspects of my own journey of finding Christ in my own life and my experiences. All right. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Tell, take us through this journey of yours uh, from, from the place where you first came into faith to the place where you maybe you had that first inkling that there was something more to the place where you finally made it into the church. Sure. Well, um, I guess if you want to take it all the way back to the beginning, I was raised in a family that was sometimes we went to church and sometimes we didn't. And when we went to church, they were sort of Baptist, Southern Baptist style churches. And, um, you know, my mother had been Catholic as a child in, in the Philippines. And her experience was not a very positive one. Um, she just remembered being afraid all the time and um, being, you know, having scary priests that were scandalous. And she remembered being forced to say prayers that she didn't understand. And um, so eventually, everyone in my family um, became Protestant. And that's how I was raised. 
And, um, but by the time I was 12, I was actually, um, a self-professed atheist because I sort of started to recognize a lot of, um, hypocrisy in the way just, you know, the way we would kind of go to church and be one way and mm-hmm. act like everything was okay and we were just perfect. And then at home, you know, things would be a mess and things would be, you know, we didn't have the same standards in our home as we did at church. And so everything to me just seemed like a game. And so yeah. I just didn't, I wasn't buying it. I didn't believe it. And so by 12, I considered myself an atheist and just said, I didn't believe in God. And this is one of the reasons it's so important for parents, not just to go to church, but to let faith uh, really infuse the, the, the worldview that we have at home because our kids are smart. Yes, You, you were smart as a 12-year-old. You saw these things. Uh, and so all the, re- all the more reason for us to be consistent in our belief and let our belief actually impact the way we live. Absolutely. It's very important to be consistent and to live out that um, domestic church life mm-hmm. is how we talk about it in the Catholic Church. And so um, in my teenage years, I was I was really rebellious, of course, and um, you know, did a lot of things that I shouldn't. And I was like I was one of the popular kids and had a lot of friends because of this. But of course, inside, I was very empty and uh, very depressed. And um, I had an aunt actually, you know, share the gospel with me again and say that the reason why I felt the way that I did, because it got to the point where I was, you know, suicidal and just thought there was no reason to live. And so she was basically, you know, um, the reason why you feel this way is because the devil hates you and he's lying to you, but God loves you. And, you know, um, you know, just you believe in Jesus and, you know, it was that moment where I said sort of, a. um, just, I would call it a prayer. It was kind of like a mic check. Like I just sort of sent <laughs> this thought out into the void, like, you know, can you hear me? And then I just, I just sensed a very clear, just yes. Like, you know, I don't know if you caught the Holy Spirit or it was to my understanding, God, just like, yes, I'm here. I can hear you. And so, um, that's the moment I started to believe And, um, but you know, that's been a, let's see, I was 13 then. So there was a long journey in between and just believing didn't mean that I was all of a sudden this good moral Christian kid. Cause I still, you know, just kind of came up with my own little way of following God, but eventually, um, joined an actual Christian youth group and started to begin to learn what it meant to actually follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And this was a... Oh, what are you say? we have we have that terminology that so uh, you know we just become used to like following Christ or hearing the voice of of God and and you know as, as a parent now um, and I grew up with those words and I'm used to those words but I have a, a seven year old who's very literal right and she's like but I want to hear the real voice of of Jesus not not the inside quiet I want to hear his out loud mm-hmm. voice right and this whole thought of what does it mean really to follow Jesus today in a way other than just, oh, we'll go to church and read your Bible, right? How do we actually get a sense for who Christ is uh, and and follow his will for us today in, in this kind of ethereal, uh, intangible way? Uh, and that, I think that's the trick for us even as adults to kind of figure out what is what do we mean when we say that? 
Absolutely. And like I said, as a teenager, it was definitely the beginnings of learning to understand what that truly means. And um, I became part of it. It was a non-denominational charismatic youth group. So there was a lot of passion, a lot of energy. And I did learn, you know, um, the basics of everyday Christian life, you know, well, even just as a teenager, the fact that, you know, that um, sex was for marriage and, you know, not for recreation and, you know, that we shouldn't gossip about other people and all that stuff. So it was very basic things. And um, one of my really good friends, I remember he, oh, he was a friend from the rebellious crowd, mm-hmm. called me up one time and wanted me to come party with him. And I was just like, I don't do that anymore. Um, I'm a Christian now. And so I don't, I don't party like that anymore. I've got God and I don't need that. And then he was really upset with me and, um, just really disappointed. And we didn't talk anymore after that. Um, but eventually I grew up and married a youth pastor or a youth, youth minister. We call them, you know, youth pastors then. You can tell, um, you can tell because of the hairdo, right? (laughs) It's very spiky. There's a very specific it's like, oh, that that guy over there in the corner, he's he's definitely yeah. a youth minister. Yeah, no, he didn't he didn't do the goatee or anything, but he definitely had the hair going on. But um yeah, so for five years my husband was a, a youth minister and I was very much a part of that with him. But oh, and he was also working on his uh, masters of divinity and I would learn a lot from him and he started to have a lot of questions that um it got to the point where he could no longer try to teach what he wasn't really truly believing himself. Mm -hmm. So he ended up leaving that position and um, he joined the army, which was devastating for me because I never saw, I, you know, I saw myself as a minister's wife. So I was terrified of being a soldier's wife. It was absolutely devastating. And when you have um, a life altering experience like that, where the old answers just aren't cutting it anymore, you automatically are open to seeing things differently and asking different questions and um, enter that same kid who was mad at me for being um, a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, he found me on Facebook and reached out to me. And he it turned out he was in formation to become a Catholic priest. And... Um, he was, he wanted to find me and thank me for my influence in his life for just becoming a Christian and doing what I knew was right at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, now he had, you know, started to follow Christ as a Catholic and was in his um, transitional deacon year. So that started a huge conversation. I bet so. We'll, we'll continue this conversation just after the break. Uh, we're talking with Christina Kleehammer. She's a, a blogger at uh, FindingChristInAStory.com. Uh, more, more, much more on this, including some things that she skipped that we're going to go back and hit just right after this. Why don't you join the conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Let's have a conversation. What's your story of coming to a deep and profound faith in Christ? We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. (music) 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you're here. Oh, we're having a great time talking with Christina Kleehammer, uh, a friend of mine that we we knew one another from a, a college career age group at the church, the non-denominational church we were both attending at the time, uh, back before we were Catholic. And recently, by chance, uh, because I read a lot of blogs, I came across a piece that she'd written, and I'm like, wait a second, there can there there aren't two people with this name. It's just not possible. Uh, and lo and behold, it, it's the same one. Uh, we're talking with Christina Kleehammer. She blogs over at findingchristinastory.com. Uh, and so, Christina, thanks so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. So, and you busted me because because there was a part of the story that I skipped over before. Yeah, you know, you you went all the way through and you got to the army, and I'm like, wait a second, what about that part where you joined a cult? I <laughs> yes, want to know. I want to okay. know that part. Okay. Well, it was by accident. Don't forget that. It was the time when I accidentally joined a New Age cult. But I thought I was joining a house church. And this was between the time when my husband was a youth minister, Mm -hmm. which he was for five years. And then he joined the army. Yes, I just brushed over this whole season where we accidentally joined a New Age cult. So let me talk about that for a second. Um, well, before we get um, there, let's let's talk a little bit about our. I think just the human need for community, right? I think it's wired into us. Absolutely, and to tell you the truth, I'm feeling that now because we are new to the town that we're living in, and I'm still, you know, seeking out those who are um, like-minded, and I very much feel that need. Hey, it's, let, it's very real. Listen, uh, this, this show is airing in your hometown on KKNG on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network. Uh, and so, you know, folks, go to her blog. If you're in that Oklahoma area, go to her blog, make a few comments and make a new friend uh, over at Christ, findingchristinastory.com. But now I'll, I'll let you go back to your story. Okay. So we, my husband and I, we considered ourselves to be part of um, this movement that's the postmodern um, evangelicalism or the post-evangelicals. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, a bunch of people who have come out of the evangelical movement and no longer agree with everything um, along those lines, but, you know, still love Jesus and still, you know, think Jesus is really good, but just kind of want to reimagine the best ways to follow Christ. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, we met this group of people who were artists and I actually started to work for them and um, they were filmmakers. And then, um, you know, they had gone to the same Christian university as my husband. And so we thought, oh, good, other Christians. And they were just very, you know, they had dynamic personalities and they loved to talk about spirituality. And we just got really involved with them. And, um, you know, we just envisioned ourselves as this community that just created together and um, created with God and made art that enlightened people. And um, but as time went on, the conversations really went away from, you know, talking about Christ and um, the church and um, that type of thing to more the universe and um just power and like, you know, that type of really vague Mm -hmm. new agey type language. And it happened 
so subtly that I didn't even notice it at first. And then there started to be sort of really weird things that um, came up, like different things like they really believed that you could like put a certain, you could like put pressure on your arm in a certain way and from however your arm responded, then you could get any answer in the universe because your body knew what the truth was or something like that. Like just really strange stuff like that. And then, um, and then eventually it came out that they really believed that the leader of this group was so enlightened that he was on the same like energy plane as Jesus and Gandhi. And so, yeah, that's very creative, isn't it? And so, um, <laughs> so did you have to like, did someone have to have an intervention with you to get you out or was no, there this? Actually, uh, what happened because my husband, like I said, he ended up, um, he didn't want to work for them anymore. Imagine mm-hmm. that. And, um, he, well, cause we were both working for the film company and right. then he was like, you know what? I'm not feeling this anymore. And, um, he decided to pursue another dream of his, which was to join the military. And I was terrified and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, I was trying to talk to these people who I thought were my friends. Um, and it was a very twisted conversation. Um, very, um, they were trying to explain to me how I didn't know myself and how they knew me better and they could tell what my heart really wanted. And they were trying to you know, just kind of manipulate me into thinking I believed something I didn't. And I literally got up in the middle of the conversation and walked away and never spoke to them again. (laughs) So, and then, and then my husband went to basic training and then my old friend who was becoming a Catholic priest came back into my life and you know, there's, yeah. So, and it wasn't even until I left that situation where I looked back and I was like, that was a cult. That was really weird. (laughs) (laughs) So now with, with with everyone I know that's coming to the church, even those who have read their way into the church, there's always that catalyst, that person who uh, answers things in a way that maybe we, we haven't heard before and gives us, Oh, uh, the impetus, the, uh, the, the, the excuse to look at it again with, uh, with clearer eyes. And so for you, that that's that friend uh, who as a child uh, was upset with you and now now he's coming to thank you and he's coming to to tell you what God's doing in his life. He's becoming a priest. He's in his transitional deacon year. Uh, where does it go from there? Well, um, I recognized in him a genuine follower of Christ and I, I, someone who loved God and could explain his faith very, he could articulate it and there was wisdom in it. And I didn't know, honestly, that Catholics were like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was possible. And so he definitely caused me to look at the church differently and kind of figure out what's over here. Because after that experience, after being, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Postmodern, even evangelical, um, and, I had kind of figured that nobody really actually has the authority to talk about God. Mm-hmm. Everybody just has competing opinions. And, um, you know, I just kind of started to tune everything out. And, um, but the Catholic perspective was one that I hadn't heard before. And, you know, it started out 
of course, like it normally does, you kind of approach certain issues with the church. Like my issues were initially, well, how can Catholics pray to saints as if they can hear you, you know, and, um, you know, questions about Mary and all that stuff. But ultimately what it comes down to is, is this really Christ's church? And um, does the Catholic church actually have the authority that it claims to have or that she claims to have um, to, to speak about God and to proclaim God's truth? And that became the fundamental question. Like, do, do I believe that or not? Mm-hmm. Um, do I trust that about the church? And what I ultimately ended up learning is, uh, is that if the Catholic church doesn't have that authority, is not the authentic church, then all of Christianity is just nonsense. None of it makes sense without the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's really... That's really the gist of it. There's a lot, you know, there's a, there's a whole story there, but of course, but that's really what it comes down to. Now you came into the church before your husband did. How how did that interaction uh, play out? Oh goodness. Well, actually the interesting thing is when he was uh, still a youth minister and a non, it was a non-denominational movement. He would go to daily mass Hmm. and, um, he expressed interest in the church. But back then I was like, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't feel, you know, it really <laughs> made me uneasy. And so he kind of stopped going because I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in between, you know, his um, training schedule when he was actually able to talk to me and I was able to update him on what's going on and we're just able to catch up. And I was telling him that, I was seriously studying Catholicism and um, just telling him the things that I was learning. He was very interested. and um, But I had to first reconcile myself to the fact that he may not convert. Like he may um, choose a different path and we would just have to walk that out together. But of course, my prayer was that he would and that, um, you know, that we would be able to to come into the church together. And we started out at RCIA together and he, he was willing to go with me. Um, but he ended up going on deployment, his first deployment during RCIA, which is, uh, really why he did not come into the church at the same time as me. Um, they, they, um, gave him his own special day to come in because, you know, they made an exception for him because he was overseas. But, um, yeah, and his journey is actually, it's very different from mine. He's a different person, but I just, I'm so grateful that um, that we are both in the church now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot more to this story. We're talking with Christina Kleehammer. You can find that story, the rest of that story, over at her blog, findingchristinastory.com. Uh, there's lots of good stuff there. Go check it out. If you're in the Oklahoma City area, make sure you comment on that blog. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation, you and I, right after this break. Why don't you join me over at social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And just from this story, I've decided I'm giving a book away today. So don't go anywhere. We'll be giving that away right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you have stayed around. We talked earlier in the show with Christina Kleehammer. She's a friend of mine. Uh, she's also a blogger over at FindingChristInAStory.com. Uh, and uh, we knew one another before either of us became Catholic and didn't realize that the other had become Catholic until way late in the game. So really, you got to participate in our catching up. Uh, we hadn't had pre-conversed that. and you know, We just uh, had watched one another on Facebook for a little while. And so you got to be a part of our catching up. And uh, so now, in the middle of that talk, she talked about um, there was a point in her life where she thought that nobody really had the authority to talk about God, that really everybody just had competing opinions, and that really no one had the authority. So when she said that, I was pretty much bound and determined that I'm going to give away a copy of Mark Shea's book, uh, By What Authority an Evangelical Finds the Catholic Church. So what we're going to do to give that away is, uh, is fun, right? What you need to do uh, anybody, this is not a friend of the show giveaway. This is an everyone giveaway. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, you you can win this. All you have to do is go to Christina's website, findingchristinastory.com, and, uh, and read through some of her blog posts. Find one that really kind of stands out to you and uh, and link to it on my social media. And that's how I'll know, and you'll, you'll get an entry uh, for a post on Facebook or and or a post on Twitter. If you want to do both, you you get uh, two entries. So what you do on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash step outside the walls and, uh, and find my uh, post about this giveaway. And what you'll do is you will uh, go ahead and post this, uh, your, the article, the blog post that you like uh, in, in the comments and maybe say a line or two about what really stood out to you. On Twitter, all you have to do is make a, just share it on Twitter. Share the, the link to findingchristinastory.com, the blog post specifically that you really like that stood out to you, and tag me in it, at Outside the Walls, and I will see that. And for every, uh, every tag, every share, you're going to get uh, an, an entry, right? And then we'll do a random number generator out of all those people who have shared it or commented on Facebook, and we will get that uh, book, By What Authority by Mark Shea, uh, right out to you. Now, if, you, uh, if you're if you a friend of the show, well, hey, good luck, good, good news. Um, I do have a giveaway for you as well, and that's the song that we had there in that first segment, that meditation on Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Uh, and that's waiting for you in the special section of Facebook, uh, specifically for my friends of the show. You can become a friend of the show for $10 a month uh, by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking friend of the show, reading through that little blog post there, and uh, signing up. That's all it takes. So we have just a little bit of time left today, and I want to make sure that we get to uh, our readings. And so the first reading that I want to tell you is out of the gospel. And uh, I think that this is very important for us, specifically in light of what we talked about in that first segment, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, we read this. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and all the other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased. 
and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who is this whom even the winds and sea obey? And I think that's an important reading for us, specifically given what we talked about in that first segment, that despite all the tumult of our life, Christ is on his throne, and even the winds and the sea will obey him. And we have no need to be uh, out of our wits and, uh, and worried and anxious. Uh, today also is the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas. He's a doctor of the church, one of the most brilliant minds the church ever produced. Uh, he's known as the angelic doctor. And so we're going to read a, a short little section out of a conference by St. Thomas Aquinas uh, that comes from the breviary. Uh, and so we read this. Why did the Son of God have to suffer for us? It was a great need, and it can be considered in a twofold way. In the first place, as a remedy for sin, and secondly, as an example of how to act. It is a remedy, for in the face of all evils which we incur on account of our sins, we have found relief through the passion of Christ. Yet it is no less an example, for the passion of Christ completely suffices to fashion our lives. Whoever wishes to live perfectly should do nothing but disdain what Christ disdained on the cross and desire what he desired, for the cross exemplifies every virtue. If you seek the example of love, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Such a man was Christ on the cross. And if he gave his life for us, then it should not be difficult to bear whatever hardships arise for his sake. If you seek patience you will find no better example than the cross. Great patience occurs in two ways, either when one patiently suffers much or when one suffers things which one is able to avoid and yet does not avoid. Christ endured much on the cross and did so patiently because when he suffered, he did not threaten. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. Therefore, Christ's patience on the cross was great. In patience... Let us run for the prize set before us, looking upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him bore his cross and despised the shame. If you seek an example of humility, look upon the crucified one, for God wished to be judged by Pontius Pilate to die. If you seek an example of obedience, follow him who became obedient to the Father even unto death, for just as by the disobedience of one man, namely Adam, Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, many were made righteous. If you seek an example of despising earthly things, follow him who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Upon the cross he was stripped, mocked, spat upon, struck, crowned with thorns, and given only vinegar and gall to drink. Do not be attached, therefore, to clothing and riches, because they divided my garments among themselves, nor to honors, for he experienced harsh words and scourgings, nor to greatness of rank, for wearing a crown of thorns they placed it on my head, nor to anything delightful, for in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That's from St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, and in that, don't think that there's no place for for things that are enjoyable. Rather, don't be attached to them. You know, St. Paul said, uh, I've learned in all situations to be content, whether in riches or in, 
and poorer, uh, whether I'm healthy or whether I'm ill, whatever the situation, I've learned to be content, right? Whether, here you go, whether a Republican's in the White House or a Democrat's in the White House, I've learned in all situations to be content. Now, where Paul goes from there, we've heard, and you know this. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we hear that verse and we see it printed on t-shirts and we think, yeah, I can do anything. I can climb Mount Everest. And that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul's saying, for the sake of Christ and through Christ who gives me strength, I can even endure uh, poverty. Through Christ who gives me strength, I can endure illness. Through Christ who gives me strength, I can even endure plenty and not be tempted by it. I can find this spirit of detachment that doesn't get too concerned and overwrought with the concerns of this world, but truly, truly seeks to emulate Christ in these virtues, the virtues of obedience, the virtues of love, of patience, all of these things can come to us, you know, and it seems like something that that's almost impossible, right? Um, to to bear wrongs patiently, to suffer patiently. It's like we want to get out of those things, and and there's this sense of self preservation that's not bad, and yet patience is that fruit of the Holy Spirit. Patience is that virtue by which right? By which we become more and more like Christ. And the goal of heaven is not just uh, to be done with all sadness and all sorrow and all sickness, right? The goal of, of heaven is to be with Christ and to be made like Christ. And so that can begin here. In fact, uh, in, in, the, in the gospel, in the New Testament, when it talks about eternal life, it's talking about it in, in the present tense, that this abundant life that Christ has come to give us is an abundant life that starts now. We don't have to wait for this pie in the sky. It starts by allowing ourselves to become made more and more into the image of God, right? And so we can lose sight of that when we become attached to the things of this world. When we become attached to pleasure, we can we can miss the fact that sorrow and suffering can make us into the image of God. They can make us more Christ-like. When we get so caught up in being uh, right or having uh, politics uh, be our guide, right? If we, we get really caught up in those things in politics or entertainment or power or whatever the thing is that really grabs our attention, when, we, when we're consumed by those things, it pulls us away from what Christ wants to make us into, and so by becoming detached from those things, from not getting overly worked up about those things, uh, through Christ who gives me strength, then I am made more and more like Christ. That's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Catholic Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.